Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's word for us today. I'm not even going to teach. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Um, so we are going to jump into a teaching this morning. And by the way, it's been a week, so buckle up. I don't know where things are going to go today. All right. Uh, we're going to go. If you want to grab a Bible, you can turn to Ruth chapter 1 and 2. Ruth chapter 1 and 2. That's where we're going to land today. Uh, and if you don't have a paper Bible, there are some spread around. You can go to sermons.church on a browser and device, those kind of things. But to get us started today, uh, I want to use a video to introduce. So take a look at this video, and then we'll uh, jump in today. For that, but I got you and Leonard a few silly neighbor gifts, so I'll just put them under my tree. The wait, you bought me a present? Uh huh. Well, why would you do such a thing? I don't know, because it's Christmas. Oh, Penny, I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity. Like, you haven't given me a gift, you've given me an obligation. Don't feel bad, Penny. It's a classic rookie mistake. My first Hanukkah with Sheldon, he yelled at me for eight nights. Oh, honey, it's okay. You don't have to give me anything in return. Of course I do. The essence of the custom is that I now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me. Okay, well... All right. So how, how many of you guys are Big Bang Theory fans? Any big, oh, yeah, I'm a Big Bang Theory guy. All right. And, uh, oh, my friend Sheldon. What a quirky dude. This is just a very funny guy. Uh, and like, it's interesting that he didn't want to get a gift because that in turn only gave him right, an obligation to give a gift. It's kind of an interesting dialogue. Uh, and I use that to begin this morning, uh, not because of the exchange that inevitably happened between Penny and Sheldon, uh, because it did kind of go off the rails there just a little bit, but honestly because of the overall nature of the conversation, what the conversation was all about, which was gift giving, right? And if you drill down a little bit more, really the idea why I used it is because of the idea of just giving in general. Um, many of you know that we've been in a message series here at Cornerstone this summer called Wired, Living Who I'm Designed to Be, where we're talking about our wiring, specifically our spiritual gifts, the way we're wired by God, walking through seven uh, giftings that are listed in Romans chapter 12. Again, just to recap, I'll bring that up on the screen. Um, there are, uh, right, in Romans 12, 7 and 8, uh, the gifts are prophecy um, and uh, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, uh, leadership, and uh, showing mercy. And today, we are going to be diving into, you probably already guessed because of the, the nature of the, of the video, we're going to be diving into this gift of giving. And where it says here in Romans uh, 12, 8, it says, if it is giving, all right, then give generously. And then, uh, as I started out kind of working on this teaching this week, I, I, I was like, I wonder what that word giving uh, and, and give really kind of means. And so I looked it up in the original language of the Bible in the Greek, and it's this word. The word giving, the first time it says that, is this word. And I love just the way it says it's metadidomy. I can't even say it, metadidomy, metadidomy. All right, and so uh, it means to, metadidomy means to impart. And so uh, if you drill down then, like this idea of, of giving, right, is kind of to bestow, grant, lend, to give to someone else, to another. And then it goes on to say give generously, and, and it's kind of in the, in the Greek, it's actually one collective word for those two words, and it's this word, haplotes, and means not self-seeking, and then this would struck me, openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity, 
And, and so when I looked at that, I was like, okay, so it makes sense. Giving, you're going to impart, you're going to lend, you're going to do stuff. But this definition of uh, an openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity, what, what that means to me is that so really this gift of giving is really a giving-hearted person. It's a giving-hearted person. And so I think that's an important distinction before we jump too deeply in today because I think sometimes this gifting of, of giving can often be dumbed down to financial giving, being a generous person monetarily, which, by the way, can be part of this gifting, but the reality is it is so much more than that. It's actually about imparting many things to other people, not just finances. So it could be imparting, uh, having this openness of heart, manifesting itself through generosity. It could be uh, taking that of, of giving time or, or energy or resources, encouragement, advice, counsel. The list could go on and on and on and on, okay? It's more of a non-self-seeking openness of heart of someone manifesting itself through generosity. I love the idea of like, okay, so there's something that welling up inside my heart. Those of us that are, are, have this gifting and it's just manifesting itself through giving. You, and, and so what we'll see, and, and probably some of you in the room, you, you are wired for this. You already know that you're wired for this. Or maybe some of you, you might think you might be wired for this. And, and so the, 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 this might make sense to you. It's, it is a wiring for some, right? But the, uh, the other thing is actually, and we've been talking about this in every week in the series, is that these spiritual gifts are also really good things for all of us to chase. There might be some that are wired for this and they're gonna live in this and they're gonna like drive in this lane all the time, but the, really we all should chase this stuff. So this giving thing, like it's actually something that we should all kind of chase after. Um, look at a, um, Acts 20, 35, which says, it's a verse you might likely know. It says, it is more blessed to give than receive. You probably heard that verse before, right? Give me a head nod if you're You probably heard that verse, right? Right, so it's more blessed to give and receive, right? So, so like, it's interesting, like, this whole, uh, you see, there's, value, there's this value in being. It is, it is better to be a giver than to get. It's a lifestyle of giving. And then I was thinking about, I was trying to think of other scriptures, other things that we could bring, kind of bring in, kind of illustrate this. And I was thinking about when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth about this. He says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. He says this, he says, but since you excel in everything, they were doing really great in Corinth. In faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love, we have kindled in you. Look at this, it says, see also, this is the one part. He said, make sure you do, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. So they were doing really well. And he said, but hey, hey, one last thing. Hey, make sure that you're gonna do this giving thing. Living out a lifestyle of, of an openness of heart, manifesting itself through generosity. And I love the fact that um, by, by directing the church, by the way, them then and us now, um, Paul is including this word to excel in the grace of giving. You see, the grace of giving, which really is kind of the whole point, isn't it? The grace of giving having an openness of heart manifesting through this generosity, showing grace to others, and just give. Just give. Give ourselves, our stuff, our time, our resources, and sure, maybe a little bit of money here or there too, but just give. Be a, he's basically saying to the church and to us, he's saying, be, listen, be a giving-hearted person. Be a giver. It is better to give than receive. And so then I started to think about, as I was working on this, I started to think about people in our midst, in, in, in this body of believers in, at Cornerstone. I started to think about a couple of people that, um, that I think do, do this really well. Um, and, uh, and so in this series, I know we've been uh, having a, a couple of people share uh, their testimonies of, of this gifting. And so um, I wanted you to take a look at, do we, do we have that video on there? I don't feel like we do. Where's Where's Zach? Yep. 
sure. I just realized I never saw that in there earlier this morning. Then we think we have it. Okay, good. Perfect. Y'all, this kids camp week, y'all, I told you. All right. So, uh, but no, I was thinking about a couple people who I thought, man, I think they got this wiring. I think they've got this gifting. And so uh, I had them come in and shoot a video. And so let's, let's see if they're on the video. I think the number one thing is by people's reactions to me. Other people have talked to me and seen what I've done for people. I would say I know that I have the gift of giving because of the joy that I've seen that it brings myself and other people that have either been on the reciprocating end or have told me afterwards. joys of the giving would be um, the joy that I experience after I've done something for someone or what I've given them and also the joy that it's brought to me or the joy that God has given me through that action of giving for somebody. Um, I think the joy is seeing what I've been able to help people with. We had, um, God's blessed us with a large enough house where we have a duplex and we've been able to help unfortunate people that have uh, gone through hard times. I remember one family, it was a woman and her young son and we were able to help them for years to get back on their feet. And now um, the young son's passed away. He uh, grew up into a man or so. But before he passed away, he came back to the house and visited us and thanked us for what we were able to do for him. Pride, I think uh, that's that's the number one thing because uh, pride and people taking advantage of you too. Um, if you get big headed and start thinking that, uh, you know, this is all George and how can I look good about it? That's where I get into trouble. Um, I don't necessarily know that there is pitfalls in giving. Um, I think I have hopefully enough discernment to know if I am stretching myself or um, maybe doing too much or stuff like that. But I um, also still see the joy in the giving part. Um, sometimes I have my family will say, um, you may be stretching yourself or other people that I serve with in it too. Um, but I still, still find the joy in it no matter what. So those two people on that video were Amy and George, and uh, George Decca and Amy Bateson. And uh, these two people, uh, if you know anything about them, they are wired to give. Uh, I, I love, by the way, when I say that, and then like I see people go, hmm. 
And so the reason why we're doing these videos is because, again, we, we talked about at the beginning of this series that it's good for us to know our own wiring, but it's also good to know the wiring of other people. But, but I was thinking about specifically George and Amy uh, because they are just, they, they, they're the kind of people that they, they seem to be always looking for another way they can help. They're always looking for another way. They, they just want to impart and bestow, lend things to others. It just seems like to have an openness of heart towards giving and that it manifests itself through, through generosity. I think I've, over the last uh, you know, few years, like, I just feel like I've seen it over and over and over and over and over with George and Amy. Um, and so they're just really living this out. And, and, so, uh, and so there's two, two kind of avenues today, right? Like there's going to be some of us that are wired for this, and I think that they were going to kind of live in that lane. But, but again, it's on some level we all need to be kind of uh, living this out, uh, which actually leads us to our main text for today that we're going to look at. We're going to look at a character in the Bible uh, that I think we see live out, lived out this gift of giving well. She had an enormous heart towards generosity, and that is of Ruth. And if you know her story, um, you know that probably where we're heading with this uh, today. Uh, but we read about her in the book of Ruth. Now, there are many, 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 many facets of her story that we could, and avenues we could kind of take. Because, man, Ruth is somebody, by the way, if you've never read this book, go read the book of Ruth. There's a lot you can take from Ruth. But um, specifically today, I want to talk about and apply this to our lives in regards to this giving gift perspective. All right. And, um, and maybe for some, it might highlight uh, this whole thing about giving so much that it might reveal or confirm to you that this might be your wiring. But again, I think there's some, uh, hopefully, here's my goal, is that one, it'll highlight that for those that it's their wiring. But I think for all of us, maybe it'll highlight this in such a way that we realize we need to have more openness of heart to manifest itself in generosity in our lives as well. Okay, so that's kind of our goal for the day. And so let's dive into the restory to draw out a couple points. We're gonna start in chapter one, uh, starting in verse six, which we're gonna find when we start here, a uh, little context is that, um, that we're gonna find Ruth and her sister-in-law and her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, needing to kind of figure out some things because all the men in their life have passed away. Okay, Ruth's husband has passed away uh, and uh, her sister-in-law's husband's passed away and their father-in-law has passed away. And so we see this in uh, Ruth chapter uh, one verse six says, says this. It says, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she, she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find the rest in the home of another husband. Skip to verse 14. At this, they wept aloud. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And then we're going to skip to chapter 2, verse 2, as they arrive at a relative of Naomi's named Boaz. And verse 2 says this in chapter 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go down to the fields and pick the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. And so then Boaz, as he's talking to one of the harvesters, uh, as the chapter goes on, it says, she, speaking of Ruth, she came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. And then verse 11, 
Boaz replied, I've been told about all what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord and the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then finally, verses 17 and 18. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, then she, the, then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to, uh, to about an ephah. She carried it back to town. And so quite a bit there about Ruth, someone who I think, again, I, I think as you, again, read the whole darn story uh, when you have time this week, but uh, really, really lived out this gifting of giving, a tremendous, enormous heart towards towards giving and generosity, that I think there's some things that in her story that are uh, worthwhile to take a deeper look at, things like that. And so our title this morning is Wired to Give, and we're going to have a few things to make sure I want to point out a couple things about Ruth. But before we do that, uh, if you would pray with me, and then I'll give you a couple things to write down and think about today. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you for uh, an opportunity to come and to worship you this morning to, uh, through music and through com- taking communion. Um, and uh, now as we turn our attention, God, towards uh, the scripture and the story about Ruth and the things that ultimately that you've put in her, uh, we pray that you would make our hearts, our souls, our minds sticky and supernatural things would stick to us, that we'd be more like Jesus as a result of our time together, that we would be more of, a, of, of givers and have generosity towards people. We would have a heart that's bent towards people and it would manifest itself through generosity. Pray that you would do something beyond what my ability is, because if I just talk up here for a while and you don't actually show up, Holy Spirit, it'll probably be a waste of time. But if you do some stuff, you teach us, man, we, this would be well worth it. So we just give this time to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we have three points today uh, regarding giving, a giving wiring. So as we look at the life of Ruth, and so here's the first one, you can write this down. Ruth lived wired to give by being purposefully pushy, by being purposely pushy. You can write that in. Um, and you probably saw this. You, if you know her story, you know kind of the, this part of it. But we see this in the text in chapter 1, verse 16, when she says to Naomi, when Ruth says to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And I, and I find it interesting that, that Ruth didn't take no for an answer, right? She was purposefully pushy. She was like, listen, say what you want, but I'm going to help you. Like, say what you want, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with you. You're not going to get rid of me that easy. Can I say, I think it was a little pushy. I thought about it like, um, have you ever had this happen when like you go out to eat with some friends and you are determined that you're going to pay the bill and they are too? Right, you have that happen to you, right? Uh, and, and, and so what happens, right? The bill comes and then there's this argument, right? Who's paying the bill, right? Uh, a couple months ago, my, my wife Lee and I, we were out to with some friends and, uh, and I was determined we were paying this bill. Like we were gonna get, I was gonna, I had my, I mean, I literally, I, had, I think I had my credit card out of my wallet so it was faster to grab, okay? All that kind of stuff. I was gonna pay this bill, right? And so we're eating, we're having a good conversation, everything's happening, whatever. And, and then I'm like, all right, things are wrapping up and I'm looking for the wait- waitress. I'm looking, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay this bill. And then all of a sudden the waitress comes, but she actually brings back the receipt. He had already paid the bill. And I was like, wait a second, he didn't even pay, she didn't even bring the thing. Like, how did you? So he went to the bathroom at one point, 
found the waitress. He didn't even have to go to the bathroom. He found the waitress and gave her, I know, like he's smart, right? I was like, I'm taking a cue, right? I was like, so I was flabbergasted. I was like, what? Come on. And there were some other circumstances that were going on. They were doing some blessing of Lee and I anyway. And so, so it was like this thing. We wanted to pay the bill and we couldn't. And so I was thinking about that this week because I was thinking, he was a little pushy. Now, like, right? Like I would say purposefully pushy, not in a bad way, but he was pushy in a good way. And, and it, by the way, I think uh, this gentleman that I'm talking about, he's wired for this. Like, this is his thing. Like, he, he's one of those kind of guys. And so it's what giving pers- people do, like, right? Just like Ruth like, like with Naomi. She's like, listen, I, you can say what you want. I'm going to take my, my, my trip to the bathroom, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Right? That's what Na- uh, Ruth was going to do with Naomi. And, and the reason I think this is important to consider when we're talking about being a giving person, being a little purposely pushy is because, and you've probably experienced this, people resist help. Right? People resist help. They resist gifts, even though, right, often people, they need the help or they desire the gift that many resist it because, and I think there could be a gamut of reasons, but many resist it because they don't want to, for example, take advantage of the giver. They, they may, maybe they feel inadequate themselves, like, hey, this is something that I should be doing on my own or figuring out on my own or getting on my own. I think Naomi was there. She was like, hey, listen, I got to figure this out. My husband's dead. Now I'm in charge, right? So she, she was kind of in this place like, hey, this is something I probably need to figure out myself. But can I, can I share with you, and, and, and I know, so I think this has a dual purpose. It might be for the givers, but it also may be for the receivers today. Folks, the, the truth of the matter is when a giving person gives, they, they give because they actually want you to be blessed. They, they, they want to impart, they want to give to you. And, and, and so like the resources, the encouragement, the advice, the counsel, maybe money, a gift. And, and so, and, and so he, because this resistance is fairly normal to be a giving person, you might have to be a little pushy. And can I tell you, especially in the context of a church culture, can I say that folks, we should actually be more willing to receive. We, so be, don't be like a jerk, but be pushy if you have to, Right? Be a little pushy. Um, I was just thinking like, like there are some people that like sometimes you're like, hey, I know you're going through a tough time. Can I, can I bring you a meal? And that person's like, no, it's okay. So you know what you do instead of saying, hey, can I bring you a meal? You say, hey, I'm coming Tuesday to bring you a meal. It'll be there at 530. Can I tell you that sometimes, there, there are some of y'all in this room, by the way, you need people to be pushy like that to you. And some of us, by the way, because we might be wired to give, or and just the fact that we're a, a body of believers, we should be, well, uh, be wired to give on some level anyway. We might have to be that kind. Of, there's a difference in those two things. Like, hey, can I bring you a meal sometime? Hey, I'm coming Tuesday. By the way, Lee and I have had people in this body of Christ say to us, hey, because we've said, oh, we're fine. By the way, some of you know in the last year we haven't been fine. And we, there's one family in particular, and I will tell you that she did this exactly. She goes, you're not getting out of this. Tell me which day I'm bringing a meal. And by the way, she now has been doing that generally about once a month. She's been providing a meal for my family. response was to resist, right? And so there's something to this that I think this kind of this purposefully pushy thing is what we see Ruth do. Um, and again, it could be for a giving wiring or just in general. But a couple of scriptures that I think kind of, uh, kind of push this forward a little bit is Proverbs chapter three, verse 27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to act, even if you got to be a little pushy, if it is in your power to act, be a little pushy. Second Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There might be value in pushing a bit harder to sow generously. Can I say, I think Ruth did. 
She lived wired to give by being purposely pushy, which is our first point. Go ahead and bring that up. Okay. Um, so then we're going to go on to point two. Ruth lived wired to give by being persistently present. Persistently present. Uh, if you don't know, that is actually the always there care bear. The always there care bear. All right. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that like Ruth was just kind of always there. Okay. Uh, we already looked at this a little bit in the last point, but it says again in chapter one, verse 16 and 17, where you go, I will go where you stay. I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried And this. So this wasn't just something, by the way, th- those are like pretty powerful words, but hard to live up to, right? Like, Hey, you're, where you go, I will go. Those kind of things. Like, we could say that, like, yeah, we'll be there, we'll be there. Sometimes we fail. But this is actually something for, for Ruth. It wasn't just something she said that she followed through with this. She went where Naomi went. She stayed where, where Naomi stayed. She took on whatever she needed to take on for Naomi, being an open-hearted to give by being persistently present just there. Sometimes, folks, the most giving thing that we can do is show up for somebody. Show up at just the right time when everyone else is left, when no one else will, or even sometimes just showing up when things are really good and things are going our way. There is value of giving time and energy of presence, and that is without a T. I'm going to bring that up. There's a value in giving our presence, not a T presence, but a presence, us being around. I was actually thinking... Uh, like sometimes, like I was thinking, who who does this like the best in life? And I was thinking about how like sometimes moms and dads uh, will do this for their kids, or maybe even a better uh, picture of that is grandparents for their grandkids, right? I hear grandparenting is way better than parenting, so I'm not really I'm not wanting to rush that in my life, but like I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that whole thing, right? But I was thinking about like the parents label. Like parents will go to the ends of the earth for their children, but you know who will go even further? Grandparents grandparents will go like crazy for their kids. And so they'll give kids and get their, their, the presence of their parents and their grandparents, like the, the presence, not the tea present, but the presence of these people who care for them. And so then I started to think many of you know that my son Elijah just graduated from Penn high school and uh, we're super proud of him. He, he graduated cum laude. I don't even know what that means, but it was good. Right. And so we're super proud of him. But here's what I would tell you. If you have ever had to sit through a Penn commencement ceremony, You know that it takes patience and endurance to do that, right? Well, I thought about this week as, as, you know who showed up to my my son's like three plus hour commencement thing Then we had to be there an hour early. So for like four hours, you know who showed up? This lady and these two people, my mom and Leah's parents. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're missing my point. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking about like, I mean, talk about like, that was not a fun experience. That was not something that they, but they were there because they will show up for it. They will be present for their grandson. By the way, my son was the one who made my mom a grandma. Okay. And so she has for his whole life shown up. She about cried this week when he turned 18. Right. And, and here's the thing about my in-laws. My in-laws have five children. They all went to Penn High School. So they've already gone through that five times. And now this was the sixth. And here's what I know. Can I, tell you, can I tell you what I know? Is that my mom and my in-laws will be there two more times when my daughter Abby graduates and my daughter Eden graduates. Now, I might not be there, but, <laughs> but they'll show up. <laughs> yeah. 
and so this is what I was thinking about this weekend. I was thinking about the whole scenario. I was thinking, what a gift. What a gift my son was given by just their presence of being there, right? And, and enduring a four. By the way, all we were looking for was like the 10 seconds where they said, Elijah Poorman, that's all we wanted. And yet they endured four hours worth of time. You see, grandparents and parents will give the gift of presence. And I think what Ruth, we see Ruth do this, give the gift of her presence to Naomi. Living wired to give by showing up, being the, can I say it this way? Being the always there bear. How many of you, I was curious just because I got to this point, how many of you could use someone more often like that in your life that always there bear? I could. I know, like, there are some people in my life that I have, but, but man, I, I, I don't know if I ever have enough people in my life that are the always there bear kind of people. I could use more. And then I thought about this. How many of you desire to be that person? Anybody else desire to be? Oh, gosh. I want to be that. I'm a pastor. I love people. I want to be there. But can I tell you, I, I fail at that. And here's the cool thing. Um, by the way, this is really important. You don't have to be blood-related to do it. You don't have to be blood-related to show up. Uh, actually, this week, I, uh, I sat for a couple minutes, just a couple minutes, like maybe two or three minutes, and I started to think about the people in my life that I would probably, if I had like a sticker uh, of the always there bear, that I'd, I'd put that sticker on them. Like, the, like they're the always there bear people in my life. And, and it was kind of cool because I, I actually had to cut down my list to share with you today because I had so many. But, but I, I uh, and these are, like quite a, I have quite a few related ones, but these are the unrelated ones, okay? I, I thought about, first of all, I thought about a guy named Rich Blackburn. This is Rich. And Rich uh, is a youth leader from Kokomo, Indiana, that when uh, my life was falling apart with my dad, uh, when I was in high school, uh, Rich was the man I needed in my life. Mom, I shouldn't have looked at you. <laughs> so thankful for Rich in my life. The amount of times, the phone calls, the times he would just show up, the times I, I was just, happened to be going through Kokomo and I could stop in and, he, and we would eat together and he would talk. And Lee and I probably wouldn't be married without this guy. Some of you know, you don't know that story. My dad uh, grew up with an alcoholic father and so it got really messy. And so talk about a time in a life when a, a young man needs a man in his life. Rich was that guy. And then I, I thought about my buddy Brax. Some of you guys know Brax Vandervoort. He's a worship leader in the area. And uh, Brax and I uh, were super close for a long time. We're still friends, but there's been just distance because he got married and kids and all those kind of things. But, but Brax and I, I, I would say that I wouldn't be who I am today without Brax in my life. Brax uh, and I would meet weekly, and he pushed me forward in my leadership and my own faith, uh, probably more than any other uh, accountability partner I've ever had in my life. Um, uh, Brax did that for me. And then this last year, we've, I've talked about them a lot, but our uh, Lee and I's friends, Bruce and Shelby Fultinski, um, this was a season where it was really hard for us this last year, and, and these people just showed up over and over and over and over again to the point, like, they're like, uh, they're crazy runners too, and so they like showed up to like literally every one of my kids' cross-country meets. By the way, Lee and I didn't want to be at all of our kids' cross-country meets, and they showed up over and over and over, and, and so I... I, I just thought about these people and like the gazillion other people. I thought about my mom and my brothers. and da, da, da. Like there were so many other people. I was like, man, I have been truly blessed with presence. Not a T, but presence time and time and time again. Again, what a gift. There too is something to this, I think. Again, especially in a giving wiring and, and just giving in general. 
But man, sometimes we just got to show up. That's the best thing that we, that's the best gift we could give. So it's not, it's not money. It's not, it's just us being there. And, and then I started thinking about other places in scripture where this is, I see, we see Job's friends in the Bible do this. Job chapter two, verse 13, where it tells us that they came and they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word. They just showed up. They gave the gift of their presence to Job. In the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus, uh, while addressing the idea of an eye for an eye and dealing with kind of people in our life, he makes this statement in Matthew 5, 41. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. It says, essentially, go the extra mile. By the way, that's where that saying comes from, is this scripture right here. Go the extra mile. And it's what this point is all about. The value that Ruth exemplifies by not only saying that she will be persistently present, but actually delivering, literally doing so. And so as I was thinking about this in my own life, I was thinking, man, I think there's something for us to consider, to do more, to, to show up in the lives of people. Maybe, maybe some kids, maybe, maybe some kids in your life show up. Be persistently present. There may be someone right now that we need to do that with. Maybe it's the kids, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody at work. Can I, t- can I tell you that the, if anything else comes out of this today and, and you're walking out here with a heightened awareness of your, where you might be able to increase your presence and give to somebody that way, can I tell you, I think that'd be a win for the kingdom. So I think a good possible takeaway for today. So that's point two. Ruth lived wired to give by being persistently present. And point three, fill this in, really kind of the crux of giving and uh, the gift of giving, right? Ruth lived wired to give by being serious to simplify. Serious to simplify. Um, what I mean by that, when I mean serious to simplify, is that she was serious to make life easier on Naomi, which I'm gonna suggest in this point as we kind of get ready to close here in a minute, that, that um, ultimately that we follow her example that we follow Ruth's example of and, 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 and live with the heart and lifestyle of giving in order to do the same for other people. We should be in a position where we try to do whatever we can do to make the life easier for other people. Be serious to simplify for them, for others. This point is actually why I included chapter two as a part of our text today in the book of Ruth. Ruth went after, after simplifying the life of Naomi. Read, the, read this specifically in uh, chapter two, verse two and 17, where it says this. It says, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. And then verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah, uh, which by the way is equal to about 10 gallons. And she carried it back to town. So, so we see Ruth in, in this text, uh, not just say that she's going to be around, but do some hard work to make a difference which again is kind of sort of the, the crux of giving and the gift of giving, all right? To see another's changed for, for the, to, to be, the, whoever, whoever, right? We, we don't wanna just give and go, well, I hope their life is worse, right? We give so that their life is better, that something changes, that it, it helps them, right? When a giver gives imparts time, energy, resources, encouragement, advice, counsel, finances, a gift, the idea is, is that it will make the receiver's life better. Something will change, and life will get simpler or better for them. And then I thought about this verse. This is kind of the crux of it. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love that verse because the idea is refreshment comes, life change comes in our lives, folks, when we change others' lives. Like, I'm just thinking of like, Gary just got back from 
from Honduras, like, like within like 12 hours ago. And he's telling me all the things that were happening. People were getting healed and those kind of things. And so our lives, he's, though he's tired, he's refreshed. I'm yelling. I don't know why. <laughs> but this makes a whole lot of sense, right? I'm going to say that again. Life change comes when we change others' lives. And likely we've, we've seen this play out in our lives. We, you've seen this happen. It's amazing to me how, how um, when we lift others up, oftentimes we get lifted up. You know, there are many, many, many things about the human condition that I hate. Why we are so negative and challenging and blah, 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 all this stuff. But man, can I tell you, this is one of the beautiful things of the human condition I love. That when we help other people, we get helped. When we, when we seek life change in other people, then we get to see life change in us. And Ruth jumps at the chance to do this one with Naomi. Can I tell you, I want to be like Ruth when I grow up. Verse 7 says again, then Boaz talks to one of the harvesters. It says, right, she, speaking of Ruth, she came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Ruth worked hard, harder than I think that anyone expected her to or, or thought she would. She was serious to simplify. She was gifted with this gift of giving, and I think she carried it. And so I was thinking this week, <clears throat> I was thinking about, she probably would have given uh, Naomi like the shirt off her back if needed. Do you know anybody like that? Anybody who's like a give the shirt off their back kind of person? By the way, I know a couple of people in this church that are like that. And I think that that mentality is what Ruth exemplified and lived in here, which made me think this week in regards to us. Maybe, maybe there's uh, some of us that, who have Naomi's that we're called to right now. Maybe there are some things, some stuff, something else that we need to give, maybe give away, Maybe, maybe just for a season or maybe uh, for this season, maybe regularly because we're, we're wired for this, but maybe we need to be more of a give the clothes off our back kind of person. Be serious to simplify. Simplify their life, others' lives. Jesus actually sort of talks about the value of living like this amongst a bunch of parables in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, Abby's gonna come and play as we get ready to close. But he says this in Matthew 25, 35 through 40, he says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in, in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And what I love about this, by the way, uh, anything in red in the Bible, whatever Jesus says, we should really pay attention to. And so I love the fact that Jesus highlights here the value of living a lifestyle of giving. And by the way, it wasn't all about dollars. Looking to simplify the lives of others, those that, that are in need, he actually calls them in this text the least of these, and he calls them that in the verse and highlights the, the, the way of life is, is significant, to live in a place where we're going to be looking after those people, doing things for those people, giving our time and our energy, maybe some resources and finances to those people, ultimately we're gonna be really focused on those people. And that not only does that have value to them, but it actually goes on to say that it actually has value to them. And beyond that, it actually has value to him, the savior of the world. To live a lifestyle of giving actually has benefits to Jesus. Which I, I think Ruth understood that there was so much more about this situation than Naomi. Although Naomi was a big part of it, I think Ruth knew that it had a double meaning. 
that there were some things that she was doing ultimately on to Jesus. It's why, it's why folks, and, and um, I know this might not be fun to hear, but, but I, think, I think that's why we can't be, or I guess I should say we shouldn't be stingy in this life. By the way, nothing you have, you can take with you. Nothing. And so what, what, what we need to be focused on is like, what do we do for the least of these, those brothers and sisters who have needs and they need stuff and they have, need a level of giving, giving and ultimately Jesus wants to help. Will we help those people? Jesus also says in Matthew 5, 42, this is him on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, give to anyone who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Give, essentially he's saying give, give it away, get serious to simplify for others. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. It's, it's just time. It's just money. It's just energy. Where in turn, what he's saying to us is the saying, hey, it, that's just stuff and that's just all of that, but this is one of my kids. By the way, we're all been created by God the Father. Now, I will t- tell you this, that like you're going, well, I guess Matt has his life together. He's really giving. I'm not a giving, overly giving person. I don't think that that is easy to do in this life, in, especially in the United States of America. It's hard to live out. But I think in this life, we have to something for us to really get kind of focused on and try to get, uh, maybe those of us that are wider in it, just really live it out. But maybe for all of us, kind of doing it a little bit. Ruth was all about this. And I think it's something to model. I think there's many things to model about Ruth's life, but I think this is one of them. Which is, takes us to the end of point three. Ruth lived wired to give by being serious to simplify and then also to recap, persistently present, and purposely pushy. Some things I think to chew on and consider today in regards to giving, uh, uh, being a, a giver and wiring and giving, um, those kind of things. Um, so with that, why don't you all stand? Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.